Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 267, Jan Blachowicz versus Glover Teixeira. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday afternoon in Yas Island, Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. You got the ageless wonder Glover Teixeira attempting to get his first UFC title. He's taken on another guy in Jan Blachowicz who had a career turnaround. Should be an incredible fight. We'll talk about the co-main event in, this, in a sec, but man, how badass is it to see uh, Glover Teixeira get that elusive title shot? Yeah, you got to respect a guy like Glover. I mean, I've always said I think he he doesn't get mentioned a lot in terms of like who's got the top ground game in the business, but um, I feel like his name you know should be thrown in there. I mean, we see what happens when he gets on top of these guys. It's pretty much over. Pretty much everyone if he gets on top of you. Um, and then Jan Blakovic, you know, that's my favorite 205 champ ever, man. I mean, legendary Polish power out here, you know, knocking out Corey Anderson in the rematch and then what he did to Dom Reyes in Abu Dhabi and to follow that up with beating the undefeated Adesanya. Um, I don't know if you saw the fight this past weekend, but, but you know, Adesanya beat on both of those two dudes pretty easily. So I, I think uh, that shows the level that Blackovich is on. And um, I'm excited for this fight, man. You yeah. Got two guys, you know, up up there in age, too, like still still doing the best. man. They're going strong, man. That's that's what's amazing to see about it is that, you know, people say your prime is when you're 28. Well, these motherfuckers are like 41 and 38 and they're fighting at the highest level of the sport. Now, I know John Jones might have something to say about it, but, uh, you know, John Jones exited himself from the conversation. I mean, John, uh, John's got some other problems to be worried about. Yeah. So uh, also in the co-main event, which is another main event in itself, we got the undisputed Bantamweight champion, P.O. Torian, defending his title for the second time against the number two contender, Corey Sanhagen. And listen, um, I, when I when I say that he's the undisputed champ, I truly believe that. But that doesn't mean I think Aljamain sucks. I think Aljamain is the clear cut number one contender, so I would not dispute that. However, Aljamain Al- <laughs> deserves to be the clear cut number one contender, but Aljamain is not the best bantamweight on planet Earth. Pio Torian is, and it, this should be fun. It's a striker's delight. You got the long, the active, the volume output king Corey Sanhagen taking on. The king of the Bantamweights, Piotr Yan, should be an amazing fight. Yeah, Sanhagen, you know, he had that uh, split decision loss to, to Dillashaw's last fight, a close fight, could have went his way. Uh, you know, it, it didn't go his way. Um, but I, I know a lot of people are happy because they really think that he he got robbed and they're basically treating it as if, well, hey, we, we do finally get our title shot. But, you know, when you're in there with a guy like Peter Yan who – I mean, besides a couple of things, really doesn't have much holes in his game. Uh, this is going to be a really good fight. I mean, Peter Yan is as tense, as focused, as, you know, lasered on in there as, uh, you know, pretty much out of anyone I've seen in the UFC currently. So uh, I'm very excited to that fight. I just like watching Peter Yan fight in general. And it sucks what happened that last time. I, I just don't see how you think he would do that on purpose in a fight that he was. I mean, it, let's, let's just be honest here. We know how that fight was. Uh, Turning, I just don't see how you can think he did that on purpose. I think it's just a misinterpretation of, of um, look, Aljamain was on his way out, and Aljamain's style is very funky, and it's very weird. And when he's tired, he's going to start stalling on his knees for those shots, and Peter, uh, you know, he you know, he messed up. It was a mistake. Um, but, you know, we saw this past weekend, uh, Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, I mean, took a knee full on to the chin, I mean, after he got dropped. 
and uh, came back and ended up winning the fight. But, you know, when you're in there with Sung Woo Choi and Peter Yan, I, I understand it's two different things. But um, yeah, but I mean, it goes to show that you know, if he truly believed in himself, maybe he could have came back I mean, and won that fight. Peter would have lost the point. Aljamain was up on one on one judge's scorecard. So with that point deduction, he would have um, he would have been he would have won on that card. And the other two, he'd have probably got a draw, you know, if if he could have made it to five the um, five rounds. But I guess he uh, he obviously didn't. I guess he obviously didn't think he could do that, or maybe he uh, he was was out of it. But we'll see, man. Um, I'm sure they'll get in there at some point. Yeah, I mean, as soon as uh, you know, it's just funny that Aljamain. I mean, that Piotr predicted that Aljamain was going to pull out that fight. Oh, I and, mean, and he wasn't did, the only one that predicted well, that. By I the said way, that, I mean, I said that the second I was like, he's gonna milk this neck and my milk, or you know, neck is a serious thing. I'll take that back. The neck is a serious. The thing. neck is a serious thing, but look, what? why is it you pull out the fight, then the very next day you're doing hard sparring with Adrian Yanez? And real quick, I get it, sparring, you know, training and being right, yeah, fight oh ready are two gosh, different things. Sparring. But but, look, I but think this oh. is just a mental thing. I think this is just a. He said that Marab was whipping his ass in, in practice. Well, you know, maybe it's because Marab's good too, man. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know. I just think he's kind of—I don't want to say discombobulated, but just un unsure right now. He's got these the next mixed in with the fact that he knows Peter Yan is on the horizons. Um, I know he's cheering for Corey Sanhagen hard here this weekend. Oh, he don't want to see. Peter <laughs> but but let me say this, like. I'm not debating that being in fight shape and, you know, training are two different things. What, what, I, what I'm trying to say is people are trying to act like this guy's got a nine to 12 month recovery time because his neck injury is so bad. But I see him hard sparring with Adrian Yanez, like getting hard rounds. And so that's where, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just uh, I'm just kind of curious about uh, what the deal is. But anyways, we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. But uh, first up, I want to give a big shout out to our newest sponsor, Bud Crush. You see, we got the Bud Crush hoodies on. I mean, represent. So Bud Crush is a cannabis clothing brand. They believe that Mary Jane has always been high fashion and their line is dedicated to her. Their first crush was Mary Jane, and they've been in love ever since. All their designs are under her influence. Keep uh, keep smoking Mary Jane, lovers. So use code BATTLE and get free shipping for a limited time at BudCrush.com. That's crush with a K, BudCrush.com. They got these badass hoodies we're wearing. You should see the back of these hoodies. They look super fly. They got sweatpants. They got shorts, shirts, the whole ordeal. So make sure you all go to BudCrush.com and uh, use that code BATTLE for uh free shipping and uh i mean Shaq, uh this shit's this shit turns heads man i mean i went to a concert this past weekend people were like getting my info writing down the bud crush info they're like yo how can i wear that oh bro I, every time i wear um the sweaters i have and people were like yo where is that from <laughs> like you know what i'm saying um back where i stay so it's like you know it's definitely a head turner um definitely gets the attention out there for sure 100%. So go to budcrush.com. That's crush with a K. Use code battle for free shipping. Well, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tajir Ulanbekov. He's 12 and 1. He's taking on Alan Nascimento, who is 18 and 5. And currently, they got Tajir Ulanbekov minus 370. The comeback on Alan Nascimento is plus 310. Well, let me just say this off the back, uh, off the bat. If anyone hasn't seen Alan Nascimento's contender series fight against Holly and Paiva, 
I personally think it's the second best fight in contender series history right behind Sodiq Youssef and Mike Davis. I mean, it was an unbelievable scramble fest, and I thought the guy deserved to be in the UFC then. Well, he went back to the regional uh, regional scene, got a win, and now he's in there. And Tajiri Ulanbekov, I mean, look, he's got the OV in the last name. He's, he's a Russian, so, you know, he knows how to win some fights. But I got to say, man, he's been kind of underwhelming at times. I personally thought he lost the Bruno Silva fight. The Zagas fight was kind of questionable. Uh, so it's just I, I kind of want to see more. So maybe I slightly lean Ulan Bekov. I just, for a guy that doesn't really put the stamp on things, I ain't laying no minus 370. I view this as a dogger pass situation. So it's not cemento or pass, and I'm glad he got this opportunity. Yeah. Um. I will say, Ulan Bekov, that performance he had against Bulldog, Bruno Bulldog, I mean, that was a good fight. I mean, that was a that was a battle. They were both going at it. I, um, if that, you know, just because they're no names, I thought that was an honorable consideration for fight of the night. Like, they were, and boys were in there slugging. Um, what I respected about that performance is just his toughness and his willing just to keep going forward because he ate some big calf kicks. I mean, his calf was swelled up, um, and he just kept moving forward, and I think he won that fight slightly the first two rounds just based on getting the better of the boxing and just moving forward and, and bruno bulldog was kind of just getting pushed back um definitely lost that third round and i and i agree he has had some you know when you got that when you're a khabib associate and you know you train at eagles mma i think the lines is just based on the fact of is he gonna win or is he gonna lose now right. to beat a ov in abu dhabi it's going to be re- by decision is going to be very hard i mean it is. we already saw what happened to the last brazilian he fought it's going to be very hard so nascimento is going to have to come out here and make a statement and you know with the line i yeah i think that would be the side because i mean we saw that piva fight we know he can scramble his, his striking is not the best he definitely does take some damage but so does ulan Bekov. so i think this is an even matchup on the feet nascimento if i'm not, not mistaken is a, a world champion black belt um so uh, Bruno Bulldog was having some success in the wrestling in the jiu-jitsu department against them as well. So, yeah, I, I see this possibly being an even fight. But, you know, as we say, man, we don't need even fights. We need is he going to actually dominate and make this clear? But from a betting side of things, I, I think um, he's the side. But as a pick side, I'm just going to pick uh Ulan Bekov by a close, close decision. Yeah, I mean, especially in Abu Dhabi, like uh, if you're if you're an off in Abu Dhabi, all you gotta do is fight close, and they're giving you that decision. Yeah. So there was a uh, fight. Salikov had fought Elizu, man. Um, there was one round where Elizu clearly won, but Salikov still ended up getting a, a 30-27 on one card. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Straight up. So next up in the 155 pound division, we got Demir Ismagulov. He's 23 and one. He's taking on Magomed Mustafaev, who is 14 and four. And currently they got Demir Ismagulov minus 270. The comeback on Magomed Mustafaev is plus 230. This is a good fight between two dynamic strikers, but they're different styles of strikers. You know, I'd say Demir is more of the surgical guy. He's going to pick his shots. He's going to pop that jab. He's going to stay busier. But Magomed is kind of a fast twitch guy. He's explosive. He's got knockout power. And I'd actually say Demir is better across the board. But I think that last fight against Rafael Alves kind of showed us that if there's any you know, area that can be exploited. It might be the durability of uh, Demiris Magulov. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rafael Alves hits very hard, but but so does Magomed Mustafaev. And we're dealing with a guy in Mustafaev who's paid his dues, knocked out Fiziev. I mean, he he, he hits like a truck. So I kind of see Demiris Magulov getting off on that jab and kind of picking him apart for the duration of the fight. It's just, is he going to get knocked out or not? So that's what I'm most worried about um, in this fight. I'm going to pick... 
Demir, but I understand people taking the shot on, at, on Magoman at plus 230, hoping that he catches him. But if this goes all three, then I, I definitely favor Demir. Yeah, you know, I think there was a, a lot of circumstances going into that last fight with um, Isma Gulov. He was, from what his manager told me, he was coming off like a, a smorgasbord of injury surgeries. Like, I want to say three or four different surgeries after the um, Moises fight. Um, a fight where she got rocked too. So yeah, that is a weakness. Um, he, you know, he's a little chinny. Hey, uh, it is what it is. Uh, but so is Mustafa. But Mustafa has that spectacular ability to close the show with a spin. Uh, you know, he's got power. His last fight with Brad Riddell, even though I, I was a little surprised that went to a split decision. Um, he still he showed a lot of heart in that fight because he got hurt badly and he and I thought he rebounded to win the third round if I'm not mistaken so Mustafa showed his heart like you said he knocked out Fazeev that can't be slept on I mean if you can knock out Fazeev in the first round so yeah I actually think this line could be a little closer but there's just no denying that this Demir Usmagulov throws much more punches than Magomed he's much more active he just has a better overall complete game and mixed in the fact with like I was saying um after last after the uh the last fight with all the injuries, he was just getting his feet wet. And uh, don't sleep on turn Rafael Alves. I mean, that dude's one of the most explosive, um, explosive Brazilians I've seen. Like, dude does flips. Um, like, dude's super athletic. Like, I've seen the dude do, like, the double flips, like, in midair. I'm like, holy shit. Like, uh, and he's fighting uh, DeCasey, uh, Rafael Alves. I just saw that. Uh, oh, yeah? Over here. yeah? They resigned so, DeCasey? That's good. Yeah, you got to resign DeCasey. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Demir by another close decision, but one like a decision where he might drop the first round and have to kind of similar to his last fight and come back and win the two. And when you're playing over minus two lines, uh, you know, and this is a fair match in terms of the judges. I mean, we got Ev uh, and a and a Kazakhstan, so this is gonna be a fair fight. We got an Ev and an Off. Yeah, so uh, should be a lot of fun. Next up in the middleweight division, we got Huey Alzong. He's three and two. He's taking on Andre Petrosky, who is six and one. And currently, they got Andre Petrosky minus two thirty. The comeback on Huey Alzong is plus one ninety. So, Shaq, I mean, we've seen Huey Alzong at heavyweight. We've seen him at light heavyweight. Now we're going to see him at middleweight. So, dropping three weight classes, you know, that makes a big difference. Not to compare him to Jared Cannonier, but that's an example I can think of of a guy who was out there heavyweight, uh, light um, heavyweight, Tristan middleweight. Connelly? You say what? Tristan Connolly. Yeah, Tristan Connolly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so basically uh, what I'm trying to say is that he's going to be in the best shape of his life. But he's dealing with a D1 wrestler here in Petrosky. Now, Petrosky still has to kind of round out his game a little bit more. He's still kind of green. So it's two kind of green guys. Here's the interesting thing. Odds maker said this was a minus 110 pick em. They weren't sure who's going to win, but the public took it to Petrosky. I mean, look, if on paper you tell me you get a D1 wrestler, you know, obviously from the United States, taking on a dude from China. Most times I'm going to pick the D1 wrestler, but I still think he's got a lot of work to do. So how how you kind of see this one going down? Yeah, I really don't know too much about these guys, to be honest. I, I did see Petrosky's last fight live. It was on the tough finale, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I did. I, I, I did like his performance down the stretch, Um, but and I'm not too familiar with Yao Zong, who, who he fought Rashad Coulter and Cyril Asker. Yeah, I saw the. I remember the Coulter fight. Um, it's gonna be. It's probably could be lined closer too. I think like a lot of these fights. Uh, I think they're all, especially with these first. Three, I think they're all gonna be competitive, um, back and forth. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna take Petrosky just because I did like his fight down the stretch. But this is coming from a guy who really doesn't know too much about these guys. So, um, I'm excited about the next fight. But I'm gonna pick. A, <laughs> I'm gonna pick Andre Petrosky. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I I got to go with the D1 wrestler here, but I mean, again, this guy Yao Zong dropping two weight classes. There's a chance that he looks like a completely different man, and he's so early on in his career that. I was in, you know, a lot of these Chinese guys. They've been uh, leaving uh, China, coming to America. I wonder if he, if he did his camp, um, if he did his camp like at Fight Ready or ATT or something. If yeah. anyone knows any details for the Yao Zong Hu betters. Yeah, let us know. But I mean, only five fights into his career, there's a chance he's making these big strides. He's a big boy too, so I'm curious to see how he looks. I mean, on paper, I got to go Petrovsky again. D1 wrestler versus someone that does not have that background i mean and they're both so green the guy can always fall back on his wrestling so give me him but i'm hesitant to lay the price so before we talk about the next prelim i gotta give um a shout out to our sponsor prize picks so prize picks is basically in my opinion the most badass fantasy sports website on the planet and what separates them from all the other outlets is that you can combine sports and you're not you know playing against thousands of other people it's not you versus you know you have to get first place out of a thousand people it's just you versus their projection so for example they said they're over and, and they're basically over under so they're over under for austin riley to score runs and rbis was was over under 0.5. So all Austin Riley had to do was uh, get one RBI or one run, and we're good to go. And then you just combine that with an over in a woman's fight, and and you go and you cash out. So basically, you're going to receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 by using the code BATTLE at prizepix.com. And prizepix is the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. PrizePix has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you versus their projection. So, you know, last week with Trinaldo, they had their uh, – their uh, significant strike set at 50, and Trinaldo rarely ever lands over 50 strikes uh, in a fight. So we just uh, took the under uh, 50 strikes on Trinaldo, and that worked really nicely. And Prize Picks allows you to mix sports entries. So, like I said, take the over on Max Holloway when he fights Yair, and take the under on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if you think that Calvin Ridley is going to have a great season for the Falcons, but you think Julio Jones is going to struggle outside of Atlanta, take advantage of it. Prize Picks has a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the app store and google play they got a 4.8 uh star rated in the app star in the app store with rave reviews so i highly recommend y'all go to prizepicks.com download the prize picks app and uh check them out use code battle tell them tell them we sent you and get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars all right well next up in the featherweight division we got a matchup between makwan amir Khani. he's 16 and 6 he's taking on Lerone murphy who is 10 and 0 and currently they got Leron Murphy minus 290. The come on the comeback on Makwan Amirkani is plus 245. So I mean, look, Makwan Amirkani is a beast for about four and a half minutes, man. I mean, the guy can grapple his ass off. The guy who is gonna get takedowns. It's just he hits this wall. And I think he's got some kind of health issue. He keeps talking about on his IG. Something's wrong with his kidneys. He gets too dehydrated in these weight cuts. And as a result, it truly uh wow, I just had to fucking kill a spider with my bare hand. And as a result, it uh it, it, it fucks up his performances, man. And, you know, at, at first we could say, oh, but he was fighting top level guys, Shane Burgos, Allen, uh, Arnold Allen. But now it's happening against newcomers. So, I mean, basically the way I see this fight going is I think Lerone Murphy is going to get taken down in that early going. But if Lerone Murphy can survive, 
those first, uh, you know, you know, five to seven minutes. Maquan's going to be shooting from a mile out. Maquan's going to start getting picked apart. One thing about Leroy Murphy is he's got the heart. He's getting better every single fight. He's one of the UK's premier up-and-coming prospects, and he shines in Abu Dhabi. So give me Leroy Murphy to turn up on Maquan Amir Khani down the stretch. Yeah, I think, honestly, Leroy Murphy could be in consideration for, like, the most, uh, like, a solid parlay leg, man. I think... Uh, Maquan, I think he just hasn't developed, um, like you mentioned before with the health issues. Um, but his style is to come out with the flying knee and try to grab the single and the body lock and dump guys. But he, the same thing keeps happening. Like you said, he hits the wall. He gets tired. Kind of similar to like Andrew Sanchez, uh, that you know, that Andrew Sanchez wall. Where By the way, the Andrew round. Sanchez and Kevin Lee are no longer on yeah, the roster. Then I tell you Kevin was getting cut. Um, but I said... Uh, but yeah, Murphy has shown in each of these fights his debut against Tukugov and Ricardo Ramos. Both he got taken down, but he scrambled up every single time instantly. Like they never settled on top of him for too long, except the first round in the Tukugov fight. But after that, no one's ever been able to settle on top of him and actually, you know, work on top. So I think he's gonna be able to get back up against Makwan Amerikani. I think he's super strong, make him struggle, make him strain with those takedowns. And same thing in um like his last fight when he fought um Kamala Kirk. He, you know, just faded out bad down the stretch um and you know this he's not fighting you know the ghost of jason knight anymore and and uh fishy you know uh fishgo uh well city fight um i mean his other wins i mean he was barely like he had to resort to laying prey against mike wilkinson uh you remember my boy mike wilkinson you remember when he knocked out uh what's his name uh the big tall dude yeah <laughs> uh, what's that kid's name backstrom backstrom nicholas backstrom. yeah nicholas backstrom um that was a big upset at the time but yeah, he's just the the competition level. When they raised up, Maquan couldn't level up. So I think that uh, I think Leron Murphy's gonna knock Maquan Americani out probably third round, uh, and and maybe get a fifty k bonus. I hear that, man. So everybody, do us a favor: hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and also do me a favor and retweet my tweet. Uh, retweet my tweet. Let people know that uh, we're out here talking about these fights early in the morning. Grab a cup of coffee. So next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Michal Oleksaychuk. He's 15 and four. He's taking on Shamil Gamzatov, who is 14 and 0. And currently they got Shamil Gamzatov minus 140. The comeback on Michal Oleksaychuk is plus 120. Uh, this should be interesting because I think Shamil kind of does have a bit of that Russian co-style, whereas Michal Oleksaychuk is the busier guy. But let me say this, man. The, the one issue with Mihal that we always got to address is he's tiny for the weight class. And when guys take him down, there's a chance that he might not get back up. And that's what I'm worried about. Now, some of us thought that that Klitson, Abreu, Shamil, Gamzatov fight maybe could have gone either way. But even if you scored it for Shamil, it was still kind of an underwhelming performance. He's been out ever since then. I mean, he got matched up with OSP. He's, he had a couple other matchups in the pipeline. They just never came to fruition. But now he's fighting Lord McCall. I mean, look, I got to say something. For all the, you know, for Lord McCall being as small as he is for the weight class and all the issues with his ground game, I mean, at least the guys out here fighting tough dudes, paying his dues, man. I mean, so you got to give him credit. So how do you kind of see this one going down? Yeah, to be honest, I think this is a good spot for uh, Lord McCall because out of all the Russians on this card, I I think Shamil, I mean, even prior to his fight with um with Klitson Abreu, who I mean, I don't know if you've been watching his last few fights. I mean, the dude's completely like uh, Jamal Hill. Uh, <laughs> <ended up. laughs> 
dude's completely done like glitz and abreu besides his johnny walker when and johnny walker ain't even none ain't nothing so it's like he's shamil gamzatov he was going to decision with guys like uh ronnie wallace and and uh eddie gordon but like these guys were touching him like i want to i want to say they were competitive but you know he got it wasn't like Shamil just came out there and whipped up on Eddie Gordon and just finished him right away. I mean, it went 15 minutes. So I think McCall, this is a good spot for him. Who's fought the tougher guys between these guys? Lord McCall, he's been in there with Cruz, a giant compare. Like Shamil's big, but he's a kickboxer. He's a, a Russian coast point fighter, like, uh, you know, like Ramazan Amiv or Rashid Magomedov. They all, all these guys come from the same team and they, um, what's the team Garrett's like, he's a kick, a point kickboxer. He's going to I think he's going to stand with McCall for 15 minutes. McCall doesn't take any back steps. I actually thought the last performance against Modest is if like if you really think that's a robbery like that, it just shows like that nothing's going to change with the judging. So like I honestly thought McCall won the, the first and the uh, third round, I believe. And, and Modest is good. But I just think that if you bring McCall maybe a level down, um, from the OSPs and the Jimmy Cruz. I just think he was young. I mean, the kids, like 26, seven, like, look, these guys make rookie mistakes from time to time. I still view Lauren McCall as the better fighter here. Um, a guy that's seen, you know, just a, a lot more, a stronger strength of schedule as where this guy's kind of been out of it. Who knows what he's really doing? I mean, he, he's 14 and oh, but his record's really not that impressive in comparison to, to some of these other Russians, like even um, Tagir, like I've seen Tagir at least in there with, you know, UFC level guys, man, and and, and just exciting performances as where this guy is kind of just seems lack, uh, like a lackluster point fighter to me. So I'm going to go with Lauren McCall to move forward. I think if it goes 15 minutes, he can throw more punches, move forward, kind of win the decision like how he did um, his last fight by moving forward, being the aggressor, landing those counter lefts, going to the body. Uh, it's definitely going to be a close fight. I mean, he's a rush, is is an off and Abu Dhabi definitely going to be tough to win a decision, but I think uh, McCall can also knock him out too. Um, going into that last fight, you got to think his confidence is really down. I mean, he's lost two in a row. He got it back, I, I, I believe. I thought that was a great performance his last fight. Modestus, I, I believe Modestus is a guy that'll be back. Um, young kid um, just needs to, you know, just get a little meaner, you know, uh, back in cage warriors. But I think that kid will make his way back as well. So I'm going with uh, Lord McCall by uh, knockout, actually. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel you. It's because Shamil Gamzatov, he kind of is low output. He kind of plays it safe. I mean, I wanted to see that statement win against Klitson Abreu, kind of like Jamal Hill did, kind of like all these other guys are doing outside the UFC. And Mihal Oleg the thing we've always loved about him is he makes up for his lack of size with that aggression, with that output, with that forward pressure. I mean, he's a nasty guy. I mean, you remember those body shots he landed on Jean Volante. You remember the performance he had against Khalil Roundtree, um, the one against uh, Antigulov, man. I mean, Lord McCall gets mean in there. Even the OSP fight before shit went downhill. I mean, I think it was a case where he got carried away whooping on OSP, gassed out, and then, you know, uh, the guy with the most Von Flew chokes in UFC history got a Von Flew on him. Crute fight was just a bad matchup for him, but he bounced back. Now I think he's ready to get back on a streak. So give me Michal Oleg for the upset here just by being the busier guy and landing the bigger blows. Now, next up in the welterweight division, I'm excited for this one, man. We got Elizio Zaleski, Capoeira, Dos Santos. He's 22-7, and seven, and he's welcoming Benoit Saint-Denis to the UFC, who's 8-0. and no. And currently, they got Elizio Zaleski 
Mosquito Saints minus 230. The comeback on Benoit Saint Denis is plus 190. So listen, I got to give Benoit Saint Denis a lot of credit. Firstly, he's got balls for stepping in there against Zaleski in your UFC debut. Secondly, he's been doing his thing on the regional scene. He's a very strong grappler. I mean, he's going, he's coming out here, taking these guys down whenever he wants. He's getting all kinds of different submissions against them. He hasn't fought half bad competition. It's just, you know, there's one thing between half bad competition, and there's another thing between going out there knocking out Sean Strickland. There's another thing between going out there having that split decision with Muslim Salikov. Eliza Zaleski knows what it means to have a seven fight win streak in the UFC, have the war with Max Griffin. I mean, and we talk about Zaleski's capoeira kicks, you know, like the one that he knocked out uh, Sean Strickland with. Uh, Sean Strickland with. What about his submission game, man? I mean, that fight against Luigi Vandermini. That Peruvian necktie he had on him in the first round, I mean, that shit would have tapped out a lot of people, ends up getting the flying knee, overcame a bad spot. I mean, just talking about a battle-tested individual. So I will say this to to Benoit Saint-Denis' credit, he's got nothing to lose here, man. I mean, you know, for Elizu to welcome some newcomer when Elizu could be fighting top 15, top 20 guys, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Elizu to maybe play it safe, maybe not take as many risks. But at, at the end of, at the end of the day, man, I just truly believe there are levels to this. And somewhere along the way, I think Elizu catches uh, Benoit Saint-Denis on a sloppy shot, maybe a submission, maybe a flying knee. But give me Elizio Zaleski to win this fight. Yeah, I think this is what we call uh, your reward fight. You know, thank you, Elizu, for fighting the likes of uh muslim salikov and um kunchenko who i believe was like 20 and one at the time or um just all the Li jingli all the you know going to china and china. taking the fight um i feel like this was a similar fight douglas de silva dion judge you know my you know my boy de silva when he fought this, this the last bummy fight you know that guy from uh germany i believe uh what was the guy's name he fought ricky simon um I know exactly who you're talking about. He knocked about. the guy out in the first round. But but when you look at De Silva's uh, resume prior to that, he had fought like Cheeto, Peter Yan, um, Lee Ron Murphy, <laughs> like all these tough guys. I think this is a reward fight for Eliza Zaleski. Hey, man, come out here. We gave you this uh, guy now. St. Denis will probably be back. And I, I have a lot of respect for these French up-and-comers, man. There's a lot of them. You got Cyril Ghan fighting for the title. Nasser Dean, you know, y'all know how much I love my boy Nasser Dean, the sniper. Um, the French girl, what's her name? Fiara. Um, she just beat uh, Mara Bueno Silva. They've been um, stepping up the game I over mean, there. The Frenchies are, they're pushing them out. So, you know, you got to be a little skeptical. But from what I've seen, it's just this the level, even though the dudes have good records that he's been um, fighting on the on the Europe scene, you know, a lot of if you look into a lot of those records. They're severely, severely padded. And Eliza has been fighting the real thing. I mean, uh, like we said, been in there with Sean Strickland and actually knocked him out. Um, I, I know everyone remembers when he exposed the myth of Curtis Melinder. I mean, that was that was a big, a big one. Uh, beat Omari I met up man I heard my boy Omari got beat up yesterday man dude um, Omari was doing his thing and then he <laughs> gassed out and got knocked out again. yeah <laughs> Omari hit that wall oh man but yeah I'm got, I'm going with Eliza I think this is a good spot and I don't think the line's high enough to be honest I mean Eliza was a guy I mean I've seen that guy in wars man and he's 
had some time off to heal up. He's not in there. He's not, this is not going to be like a, a high level chess match like Salikov, like elite counter striker. And and Eliza arguably won that fight in my opinion and, and played that game fairly well with him. Um, that counter game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Eliza by vicious knockout here. Maybe a knee, a spin. Um, I think Eliza is gonna be down on top of the cage celebrating in Abu Dhabi. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Albert Durayev. He's 14 and 3. I thought he was 16 and 3, but either way, he's taking on Roman Kopilov, who is 8 and 1. And currently, they got Albert Durayev minus 330. The comeback on Roman Kopilov is plus 270. So you got Russian versus Russian, but I, I feel like they fight uh, vastly different, man. I mean, Roman Kopilov is more so of he kind of plays it safe, he's kind of got that point fighting style. And it's very alarming that he got submitted by Carl Roberson. I get it. UFC debut, this and that, but come on, man. Like that's a, that's a big red flag. And I know not, not to, not to get into these terms, but one could argue he got his Russian card revoked when he <laughs> got submitted by Carl Roberson. But as far as Duraev is concerned, I mean, talk about a guy who's paid his dues on the regional scene, has all the experience you can get outside the UFC to get here nasty on the feet nasty on the mat I, I see this guy possibly being a top 20 maybe even top 15 guy down the line this is a good entry fight for him i see albert drive coming out here and uh putting it on roman kopilov he's just meaner he's nastier he's more well-rounded he's more experienced he's just better so give me albert drive to win this fight impressively yeah you know kopilov how old is he Young kid, right? Like, yeah, he's just a kid. Uh, let's see how old he is. He is, oh no, he's 30. Um, it's because he hasn't fought in years, so he, man, you know, that last one against uh, Roberson, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with his, his calf was severely compromised. Um, but he still gets submitted, but. I think it was all just derived off that calf was swelled up and derived. I've actually been watching this guy Dariah for quite some time. Um, he fought Ramazan and me back in the day in M1. He fought Tokov. He fought by chat. Like he, fought, he was a young kid back then too. He was uh, in the sharks with those boys in Russia. And he, um, I don't think he's lost since, uh, since he lost to Ramazan. So, um, yeah, Dariah, I think is the more put together fighter with the wrestling and the striking, but, I, you gotta you can't forget that like sometimes i've seen a lot of crazy things in those debuts man i mean <laughs> like you can't fully judge uh kopalov off that I, I i expect him to come into this one a lot more hungrier a lot more focused a lot sharper and he is a good kickboxer like he was a big favorite over roberson if i'm not mistaken like i actually do think this one could be lined over just based on the fact that the first fight performance and the second fight performance like for example um What's the kid's name that fought McDessie? Uh, Bahamandez. Like, you know, his first fight with John McDessie was a great fight. But if you you could just see progress, like the first round, he didn't even look like he was UFC level. But then by the, the third round, you know, he looked better. And then look at the second performance, like all the hype that he had going into the first fight is what he showed in the second fight. And I see that. Look at Tyler Santos, like she loses to a complete scrub in Mara Barella her first fight. Um, and then and then look at her since look at Marab loses to Frankie Sainz. Marab, he like I've seen I don't want like, I think this should be closer like I think this kid's gonna come back a lot stronger a lot more hungrier um, and you just got to be worried that if they stand on the outside and kickbox down the stretch you know Dariah um, 
who knows who knows if he can kickbox on the outside for three i know he can get grimy and ugly and wrestle and and clinch and do that whole thing but you know i expect a much better performance from kapilov that debut you know is a tough i've seen it like i said i've seen a bunch of dudes lose to quote unquote bums in their debuts and they come back and have i mean just put it for this way and, and i'm not even saying Danny Castillo's a bum because Danny Castillo's a great fighter, but Dustin Poirier lost to Danny Castillo in in, in his uh, WEC debut. Uh, I mean, it, it, things happen, man. You know, you gotta you gotta learn by uh, taking these um, you know embarrassing, I guess, quote unquote, embarrassing you know moments. So um, I'm gonna pick Dorea, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be a close back and forth fight, man. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Zubera Tukugov. He's 19 and 5. He's taking on Ricardo Hamosh, who is 15 and 3. And currently, they got Zubera Tukugov minus 170. The comeback on Ricardo Ramos is plus 145. So, this should be an exciting fight. I mean, Zuba. He's got a nasty left hook. He's got good wrestling. I mean, he knows how to rush and coast. My, my only issue with Zubera Tukhugov is sometimes he doesn't throw enough, and other times down the stretch, he will tend to fade a little bit. So uh, in turn, that makes these fights get a little bit closer than they should be. I mean, he's got a bunch of skills. He's explosive. He's a very good fighter. It's just the cardio sometimes you know, comes back to bite him in the ass and the low output as well when it comes to the judges. But then on the other side with Ricardo Ramos, I mean, this is a talented kid, and I think he's good everywhere. I mean, he's got good jits. He's long as hell. He's got good striking. It's just with Ricardo, it's all mental, man. I mean, when Ricardo shows up, you see flashes of brilliance, and he's a guy that the UFC has had their eye on since he was like 19, 20, 21 years old. I mean, I know you remember that LFA fight he had with Manny Vasquez where Dana White was front row getting ready to sign this kid. He actually loses. He gets submitted, but... Then they give him another chance. Then he goes on a run in the UFC. He's had some ups and downs. So so for me, it's like if Ricardo Ramos shows up, I mean, I, I think he can come out here and f- not only fight competitive, not only fight competitively, but arguably win this fight um, by being the more active guy, by being the fresher guy down the stretch. It's just my concern is, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't know if he gets into a fight with his girlfriend the day of if uh yeah, I mean, you know, if, if he gets punked out by the fact that he's if he gets punked out by the fact that he's fighting a Russian in Abu Dhabi, I mean, if he just isn't feeling it that day, then sometimes uh, he'll decide to go home early. But if Ricardo shows up, man, he is a live dog in this spot. And at these odds, I'm willing to roll the dice. So give me the underdog Ricardo Ramos and Ricardo. Just show up for this one, man, because if you do, you got all the all the ability, then the talent and the skills to, to win this fight. So give me Ricardo to win the decision. Yeah, this is a good matchup because Ricardo, honestly, and I might be this might be a stretch, but he, he reminds me a lot of like a young Charles Oliveira. I mean, the kid ain't even a, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think he's a black belt, but like the, no, some of not. these some of these scrambles that this guy will hit, like these reversals is like, whoa, like, I mean, he has flashes of uh, just like, wow, ability on the ground, on the feet with the spins and the knees. He just needs to calm down and he kind of overexerts himself a little bit. And there's an interesting stat in this fight. Um, if if when ricardo ramos I, I believe like when he gets to the third round he's never lost in the ufc so if this goes 15 minutes i think he's like five and oh or six and oh or check, check the stats um 
but if he loses, it's going to be he quits. You know, he 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 just took a knee or he finished, he gets finished. And Zubera hasn't been able to – he knocked out Kevin Aguilar, but we know Aguilar kind of – you know, his UFC ceiling was kind of over with. Um, but I'm going to – man, this is a tough fight because Zuba's definitely got better uh, boxing, straight punches. But I think he's got weak calves. I think you can affect him with the with the calf kicks. And I think Ramos has to be able to get on that because we saw Hakeem Duwadu frustrate him a lot with the calf kicks. Um, Leron Murphy as well. But those guys are strong and big and physical. Ramos has more of a loose, like free-flowing style. So it's going to be tough. But I, I think this is a 50-50 fight. I think the line opened that way, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Ricardo Ramos as well. I think that he can... This is a prime opportunity for him to, you know, prove himself. He's been in the UFC for quite some time now. Um, Zubair Takuga, it feels like he's another one of these Russians, kind of like like Ramazan Amiv or, or, you know, Rashid Magomedov. That I just see these guys being in PFL at some point. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just think that eventually, like, they don't, you know, unless you give him a Kevin Aguilar, like it just seems like it's a lackluster performance every single time. Yeah, he might win a decision, but no one's really going to care about it. I think Ricardo Ramos has the higher ceiling here. This is a prime opportunity for him to capitalize in the late rounds against a guy that continuously, even back when he fought Hanato Moicano, another Brazilian back in the day. I don't know you remember that fight. What happened down the stretch? He fatigued badly. Um, so I'm going to go with Ricardo Ramos here by 29-28 decision. Moicano hit some beautiful sweeps in that fight against yeah, Tukugo. I think he, I think Ricardo has the skills to do that as well. It's just a matter of manning up and and doing it. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Amanda Hibas. She's ten and two. She's taking on Virna Janjidoba, who was seventeen and two. And currently, they got Amanda Hibas minus one sixty-five. The comeback on Virna Janjidoba is plus one forty-five. So, great fight. I mean, I think that. Amanda Hebas is super well-rounded. The only issue is her chin. And and that really is an issue because at straw weight, you don't often see a lot of knockouts. And I'm not even just talking about Marina Rodriguez, who's one of the best strikers in the division. I mean, uh, Pollyanna Vienna also knocked her out. And I know that was a long time ago, but the reason I bring that up is because we have evidence of her being knocked out back in the day and in present day. But Virna Janjidoba is more of a threat on the mat than anything. But I got to give her credit. She has been improving all areas of her game i thought that fight with mackenzie dern was an incredible fight so you're going to get the best version of Virna janjidoba and i'm curious to see how amanda hibas uh, rebounds so man i know this is one that you're excited for so how you see this one going on yeah um i got a lot of respect for janjidoba i think her stand-up has gotten a lot better like honestly when she came into the ufc i considered her one a one-dimensional fighter um somebody that only had a ground game but she's loosened up a lot she's been hitting that um strength and condition obviously like the last couple of fights her physique has been like very impressive she's a lot looser she's throwing hard she's trying to sit down on punches and it came to fruition that last fight against the japanese girl um forget her name but um she uh Zimurata. Murata, yeah um she um i thought her stand-up looked the best it ever had um we already know what she's capable on the ground um rebos is very stiff she 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 moves forward and you know, I, when you look back, you look at the customer she was in there against. We were talking about Randa Marcos, uh, Paige Van Zant, uh, Mackenzie Dern, off a baby, um, Emily Whitmire. Um, who else is that? It. Um, 
So, yeah, when you really, in hindsight, you know, look, Rebus is a beautiful woman and, you know, she might have had a, <laughs> she might have, I'm not saying she's a fraud or anything like that. I think she's a good fighter, um, solid, strong. It's just that I feel like the jujitsu might cancel each other out here. Um, I feel like Rebus might have a slight edge in the wrestling, but in terms of passing Verna's guard or being, being able to like stay on top of her for a considerable amount of time. I really just don't see it. I think that these two are going to, Rebus is going to have to prove that she can stand in the middle in this fight and that her chin can take shots. And man, it just seems that anytime that chin gets touched, uh, she she has like that, you know, that Luke Rockhold thing where they kind of freeze up and they, uh, (laughs) the gray manor, yeah, the gray manor where they, where they kind of freeze up. And uh, I feel like she kind of has that, and um, so I'm actually going to take Jander over here. I think that her stand-up's improving. I think um, there's a lot less pressure on her in a sense. Like, I just feel like a lot more eyes are going to be on rebounds based off the uh, off the last fight. I mean, she kind of got knocked out twice in that fight, not once, because Herb came in and looked like he was going to stop it and then backed off, and then Marina had to get in there again. Um, it's definitely going to be a ugly, like a two jujitsu girls, like banging, like kind of sloppy, but entertaining. But I see gender just getting the better of it down the stretch. Um, but we'll see what happens, man. I just think it should be closer to a pick. I'm going to be honest. Um, I think gender look at her strength of schedule comes in there. Carla Esparza first fight. Um, and she took care of the other girls. I mean, she took care of them easy, easy, not 15 minutes. It was first round, like less than two minutes submissions. Um, breaks the Japanese girl's arm. And I, like I said, I thought the Mackenzie Dern fight. And Mackenzie is a top five, six girl. Like just because she lost to Marina, Marina's just, you know, leveling up right now. Um, I think Mackenzie will be back. So I'm going with Verna Janderoba here by decision. And I'm very grateful to uh, Verna Janjudova for cashing that bet against Felice Herrig. Easy ass money. Yeah, less than what, minute 44. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this is a great fight, man. I kind of do think that Amanda Rebos has her covered. I mean, minus the durability. But, and she's also the much more athletic fighter here. But I do agree with you that it just stylistically speaking, it might get interesting because it's like, is Rebos going to take her down and have a lot of success there? Not too sure. But I do kind of think she can keep it on the outside. And I do think she's got the cleaner striking. It's just cleaner striking offense not cleaner striking defense. And that's what I'm worried about. Even though Verna's net, I don't think she's ever knocked anybody out. I mean, I don't think Pollyanna Vienna had knocked anybody out either. So that chin is a real concern. And also the confidence of coming back from that knockout. How does she rebound? But I think Rebos slightly out hustles Verna Janjidova in this spot and wins a decision. I just think she's slightly more athletic, more active and I don't want to say better across the board because you got to respect that jujitsu game of Virna and also her experience, man. She's truly been battle tested and that counts for a lot, but I still am slightly leaning with uh, Amanda Heba. So give me her for the dub. So before we talk about the main card, got to give a huge uh, shout out to our longest standing sponsor, Manscaped. So do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on, on Halloween? It's shaving your balls with anything other than Manscaped. When it comes to below the waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Go from bite-sized candy bar to a king size candy bar and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code battle 20. And I mean, guys, you don't want to deal with, you know, any bleeding. You don't want to deal with any bullshit and you got to be ready for those short notice opportunities, man. I mean, 
if uh if she calls you up and you got to come through and give her that appointment at 3 p.m or if it's a long-standing investment you got to be ready for someone you're going to see long term you got to be ready for both those scenarios man and have you ever tried to trim your balls and it turned into a freddy krueger film well luckily manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with their new refined body wash fellas the ladies love their signature scent and it will scare away all those vampires unlock your confidence with the performance package 4.0 inside you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items they made it easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine it's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling it's time to hackle that problem with the lawnmower 4.0 which is uh, what i got in my hand right here and this thing is a game changer their finely tuned pew products feature a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet and did i mention it's waterproof too so your power goes out Go, uh, go hit up that shower and you're good to go. And it's got that light on it, which is ideal. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, which is a total game changer to your men's hygiene arsenal. The Weed Whacker is a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides uh, proprietary skin-safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate areas. And I mean, look, if you got nose and ear hair, there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something wrong with not addressing it. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations, their crop preserver ball deodorant, this right here, and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which I got in my hand right here, will make sure your pumpkins stay fresh. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you, and she's going to thank you too, man. That that deodorant comes in handy on the reg. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts. Their Performance Package 4.0, um, which you know they got the boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. I love the boxers. I use them in jujitsu all the time. And bring your comfort and boxers to another level. If you're looking like Wolverine, haven't cut your nails recently be sure to look for the shears 2.0 nail kit they have a bunch of other life-changing products on their website so be sure to check it out get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code battle 20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code battle 20 at manscaped.com say trick or treat to your beautiful new halloweeny with manscaped oh yeah man you already know you already know how i am with my manscaped bro i'm I'm a loyal user, bro. <laughs> like, uh, I still use my, I'm still, still on my first, uh, lawnmower, man. Uh, the 3.0. I haven't even opened my second one, but, uh, yeah, I'm still on my 3.0. I mean, that thing works wonders. You got the, gotta have the ball deodorant, man. That's some, that's a must for the weekends. Um, I mean, you gotta treat your ladies right, man. You don't want her. You don't want them going into those into dirty infested waters, man. <laughs> you got to make sure <laughs> they give you that five star Amazon review. You know what I'm saying? Because when they talk to their friends, maybe their friends will be interested, too. And you got to you got to keep that on the low. But I'm just saying you got to make sure you you're ready for all scenarios. Ladies, man. Look after the ladies. man. Absolutely. hundred percent. And, and, and look at look out after yourself, yeah, too, man. Sure. You know, do, do a little something for you. So go to Manscaped.com. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Now, let's talk about this main card. Because first up in the 205-pound division, we got a showcase. We got a showdown between Magomed and Khalib. He's 15-1. and one. He's taking on Volkan Uzdemir, who is 17-5. And, and currently, they got Magomed and Khalib. Minus 300, Shaq. The comeback on Volkan Uzdemir is plus 240. Should be a hell of a fight. I mean, look, you can't deny it. Magomed Ankaliyev is, I mean, I was going to say a prospect, but he's a he's a contender now, and he's someone to look out for in the light heavyweight division. But 
when you say minus 300, I expect him to come out here and steamroll someone. And look, Volkan Uzdemir uh, is no slouch. I mean, we're talking about someone that's battle-tested, man. We're talking about a guy who beat Alexander Rakic. And, and don't sit here and call that controversial because he, he chopped down those calves of Alexander Rakic. And then you see Rakic come back against Anthony Smith and chop down his calves. So he learned his lesson. You saw that fight against Dominic Reyes. Before Dominic took all those L's, back in who was the fresh Dominic Reyes. And a lot of people thought that Volkan Uzdemir won that fight. And even if you don't, you can you can still act you can still acknowledge the fact that it was a very competitive back and forth fight. So Volcan is very battle tested, man. And one thing about Ankaliev, I mean, he's very pinpoint with his striking. He's very accurate. He's very fast twitch. He's good everywhere the fight goes. But if I have to point any weakness, it might be down the stretch as fights carry on. You know, there were some sketchy moments in that third round of the Nikita Krilov fight. Let's not even bring up the Paul Craig fight. So. Um, I mean, I lean ankle leave. It's just at a price like this. Um, you know, you got to pay a premium and Volcan's no slouch. But then again, how does Volcan rebound after such a devastating knockout loss? Uh, where's his confidence at? But you give me the Volcan that was in there with Rakic and Reyes. And I think that this could be a competitive fight, Shaq. Yeah, I got to go with Ankle Live. I'm a lot more confident in this one. I just see this kid leveling up each fight. I'm very disciplined. I feel like Who's the mirror in that 205 division is that guy that you beat, you know, on your way, on your path to a title shot. Um, Ozdemir hasn't been improving, my opinion. It's the same thing. He's just going to swing hooks and overhands. Um, doesn't really attack with the takedowns much. Um, he was on quite the losing streak up until he fought um, Alir Latifi um, with three fights. Yeah, um, this fought very good competition, 100%. Um, but... Uh, I just don't really see much improvement in his game over the years. And now you mix in the fact he's coming off that vicious, vicious knockout. Vicious. Against, I mean, I'm I'm talking like that guy, Yuri, when he gets you, he gets you. Like, it's not like, I mean, he like, I, I truly believe like that dude changes your life if you not, if he knocks you out. Um, And just the fact that Ank alive, I just think the only way Ozemir can win is by a pun, a pun, he has a puncher's chance early. But other than that, 15-minute battle. I see Ankalaev just winning on points, picking them apart. And I've, I actually see a guy that's making an effort to, uh, unlike some of these other Russians, like the Krylov fight, I just think, you know, he was a little skeptical of the jiu-jitsu. Look, we know how um, Ankalaev should be undefeated. I mean, you know how he lost his fight is by submission. I, I would say that, if anything, might be the hole in his game. I think he was very worried about uh, Krylov's... Um, ground game in that fight and i don't think he's gonna have to worry about that here i just think ozamir is just gonna be swinging over hooks and and uh, overhands and hooks at him simple and i think he just needs to stay composed calm like how he does and pick him apart and win the decision russian coast if you can find the finish uh i think he can do that as well just a lot more ways for him to win this fight i, I think ozamir is just too basic too predictable um just comes forward and that's pretty much it man so i'm gonna go with the uh, anchor live i'm actually say by like I think he's going to make a statement here. I think he's going to knock him out, like finish him and prove that he's uh, ready, you know, for this next level. Look, if he does that, that's going to prove a lot. I mean, that'll prove that he's ready to go into that top five and start really swimming with the Sharks at 205 pounds. Because, I mean, as of right now, he's been passing his tests. I mean, he's been handling these guys accordingly how you're supposed to. I think Volcan is kind of that gatekeeper to the top five. You beat him impressively. Now you're going to go up there against the Rockets, the Reyes, the Anthony Smiths, all these guys. So it's going to be very interesting yeah, to I see. Yeah, I think uh, he'll pr whoever... If Ankle Live wins, his next fight will be Anthony Smith. 
you're, so you're predicting uh ankle versus anthony smith coming up here yep yeah so give me ankle leave I'm, I'm just uh i'm curious to see how he handles this because vulcan is not usually a walk in the park it's usually a tough fight i mean even against dc dc ended up you know taking care of him but even that first round I mean, Volcan will bring it early. Now, there's no doubt about that. So I expect this to be a firefight while it lasts. And maybe with that being said, maybe Ankalev does get a knockout as a result of the way that Volcan fights. Because Volcan ain't gonna come out here and sit on the outside and you know try to you know pick and run. Like Volcan comes to fight, man. So that might actually give Ankalev the openings to get that finish. But either way, I'm very interested to see how Ankalev handles this test because this is, I'd say, this is the toughest fight he's ever had um, on paper. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between the leech, Li Jing Liang. He's 18 and 6, and he's 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 welcoming back Hamzat Chimaev, who is 9 and 0. And currently, Shaq, they got Hamzat Chimaev minus 650. The comeback on Li Jing Liang is plus 425. So interesting little stat here. Li Jing Liang as the favorite, minus 170 against Jake Matthews. You think that's like one of his easiest fights he's had in a long time. I mean, <laughs> boy, did he drop the ball there. Li Jing Liang against Neil Magny. You think, I mean, dude, like, let's come out here and bully this guy. Nope. Get, it makes Magny look like a D1 wrestler. But then flip side of things, you look at some tougher competition he's fought. Eliza Zaleski absolutely manhandles him, has him, you know, flailing all over the place, uh, knocking him down, and he's doing backflips uh, on the ground, on the ground, and knocks out uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. So as an underdog, this guy's got a good history. Now Hamza Chimaev has not fought the competition level that Li Jing Liang has, but there's a chance he might be that special new breed fighter. Is he that once in a lifetime guy that everyone thinks he is? Or is this line severely inflated, in your opinion? Um, hmm. Chimaev, I'm like I'm a Chimaev fan. Like I'm, I'm one of the few. I know a lot of people think he's a fraud, but I actually think the dude's legit. I mean, the knockout Mershart in that fashion. I know Mershart might, in some eyes, might be you know just a a gatekeeper or whatever but i mean not so many people just come out there and like fly. i mean i know ian heinish did the fight before that so let me let me take that back but i, I I'm, I'm impressed with this guy man i know uh, to be honest i was one of the few people that had him over um leon at the time but you know covid uh struck him and i just think the momentum was too much at the time um but you know now legion leong he does have a history of uh he does have a he does have a history of uh these big upsets um and when you look at his last fight i remember ponzinibbio was coming off all type of you know illness and almost sickness, died you know similar to uh chemayev so uh, personally i think the difference here is just going to be that ponds is a little bit on the older side and even prior to that ponds is taking a lot of damage been in a lot of wars um and i think that was a little bit mixed in as well um and he just doesn't have uh you know Pons is a stand-up toe-to-toe striker uh you know Chimaev at least has the wrestling in, in his back pocket to at least warm himself into the fight get you know get back in there in the swing of things we've seen Magni have success against uh Jing Liang you really never know what you're gonna get from Jing Liang in terms of fading him that's why I'll never play him at chalk ever like but now he's a big underdog so if you're I think look you got a chance with the Lee can hit as hard as anyone. His flow is on point. I mean, the dude's got a lot of good feints. Uh, I mean, the dude can crack. He locked, knocked out Pons and um, Elizu. So 
I, I'm gonna stay away from a betting thing. I'm gonna just enjoy this one because the lines just too much. You don't wanna you don't want those type of lines against Jing Liang. Trust me, you're gonna be sweating a lot. And you know, as far as a shot on him, I actually I actually like this Chimaev guy. From what I heard, like he trains like differently than uh, you know he, tra he trains differently. But like uh, from what I've heard, man, every everyone that's been in contact with him can vouch for this guy. Like. Um, saying that he's going to at least make the top five, the top 10. So this is a, he's fighting number 11 here this weekend. I, I, I expect this one will be a little bit tougher, but I've seen Lee Jingyong hurt, rocked several times, taken down, um, you know, fatigued in a lot of his fights. They're just, sometimes he catches the dude and comes back and has an exciting performance, but dude de definitely takes a lot of damage. Is there to get hit. Um, is definitely there to dish it back out, but I'm going to go with Chamayev probably he might have to go 15 minutes for this one he might have to go 15 minutes for this one or maybe he gets like a late ground and pound stoppage type uh but i think he will get tested in this fight yeah i mean here's the thing with xing liang like you said he's got that devastating power he can knock anybody out but man he also takes a lot of damage early on in his fights there was a stretch there when he was getting dropped in the first round like every single fight bobby nash bobby nash i mean even like zawada like mm -hmm. A bunch of these guys were dropping Li Jingliang early on. So I think that uh, Chimaev's got the power to do that. But the wrestling's been in question for Li Jingliang. I mean, wh whether it was D1 Magni, whether it was Matthews. Jake Matthews. I mean, the Jake Matthews fight, that was very embarrassing um, on the Li Jingliang side. Because I, I, I still think that they fight again. And I got Li Jingliang again. So it was like one of those fights kind of, you know. A, a Tyler Santos, Mara Barella, not a debut, but just a sense where, like, if they fight again, I, I got the person I picked originally. I think he underestimates that travel. Um, and some of it, I know he said that for the Magni fight, it could have been because Matt, Matthews is from Australia and uh, New Zealand, so I'm pretty sure they had to fly. But in China and New Zealand, close, yeah, yeah, so no, never mind then, yeah, China and New Zealand are close, so um, I don't know what's up with that guy, yeah, it's <laughs> just he's he's unpredictable, yeah. but. I think that if Chimaev is still the same guy he once was, because, I mean, he had he was one of these guys that had an extreme case of COVID, but he never took the time off. He just kept training anyways because he's, he, he's a beast. He wants to smash, you know what I mean? So um, if he's truly allowed himself to recover and he's back to being the same guy, he's got the same cardio, he can push the same pace, then I think his wrestling is going to be a big factor. I do think he's got the power to hurt. Li Jingliang is just, you know, if he wants to come out here and get into a stand and bang fest with Li Jingliang, then it might be kind of 50 50 because, like I said, Lee can crack. That's what you got to look out for. But at the end of the day, I do think that wrestling in the back pocket is there for Chimaev, and I think he grinds out Li Jingliang. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Alexander Volkov. He's 33 and nine. He's second on Marcin Tibora, who is 22 and six. And currently, they got. Alexander Volkov minus 280, the comeback on Marcin Tibora's plus 245. Dude, I got to give Marcin Tibora a lot of credit, man. I mean, there was a stretch there where he had lost four of four of five fights, Shaq, and it was looking like, hey, this might be the end. He had zero confidence. It, it seemed like that was it for Marcin Tibora, but boy, has he put it together, man. He's on a five-fight win streak. He's looking impressive. He's overcoming adversity in these fights, which in the past, you know, might have might have been a concern. You know, we thought there were questions about his chin and he ate some hard shots. That last fight came back and took care of biz. And the last five fights, he's been handling himself accordingly. So got to give him credit. But Volkov might be on a different level. And Volkov's a tall ass dude. And 
ever since Volkov put on that extra weight, that 265 pound Volkov, he's been sitting down on his punches more. Looks like a new man. So I know he just fought the interim champ uh, gone, but you're still giving me 265 pound Volkov. And I think he's someone to be reckoned with, Shaq. Yeah, um, Tybor, pull up his record real quick. Um, yeah, he's definitely been he's definitely been doing his thing. But look, I think sometimes there's winning streaks where the guy is, is like truly getting better and and you know truly leveling up. But then I also think there's some win streaks where they're that mixed in with a little bit of circumstances. I mean, look, Spivak was a very young kid when they fought. Maxine Grisham is a 205er. And Rothwell doesn't have his steroids anymore. Greg Hardy's <laughs> talking about boxing Deontay Wilder. Like Greg Hardy's completely out of it. And, and Walt Harris, you know, you know, all, all due respect, all due respect, you know. So I think, uh, I think a lot of his wins are just a lot mixed in with perfect timing. Um, and he's he's definitely been doing his thing. But this now is a whole different ball game. I mean, look, Martin's only way to win this fight, in my opinion, he's going to have to pull a weasel job out of his ass. Like, he's going to have to wall install. He's going to have to, uh, like, just really be uh, on. I, I just don't see how he can keep it together for 15 minutes. Saying a, a guy on, on the downs, um, I don't really, even though he lost to Surreal Gone. I thought it was a good look. Gone, man, I was blown away in this fight with um, Derek Lewis, man. That, like, the dude's feints and just his, his movement patterns are are hard to pick up on, man. And and I thought Volkov honestly did the best he could, man. It wasn't like he – I mean, he definitely lost, but it, it was a respectable performance, in my opinion, for what he was up against. I mean, I, I think he low-key might have even underestimated Surreal Gone. I don't think he truly thought he was that good. And when he was in there, he was like, oh, man, like – why can't I, why can't I get close to this guy? Like, why is he, um, why is he touching me up and picking me apart, man? He's fighting so smart. So I honestly think he's going to come out here and make a statement and just show that type of, look, you're on a good winning streak, but you're not fighting a, a, a young pup or, or a guy talking about fighting Deontay Wilder and saying shit about Derek. Well, it was great. Greg Hardy, man. I hope he wins his next fight. Cause if he don't, he might be in big trouble. Um, you know, he's fighting Olenek, right? <laughs> but uh, I think uh, a lot of these wins are just perfect timing, man, for Tybura. Uh, after this fight, I definitely see him getting back on track at some point. But I think his win streak comes to an end here on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, and Olenek and Hardy is actually a really good matchup, like matchmaking You know, wise. if Olenek gets on top of him, that's it, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> or even or if... he might get knocked down in the first... Even if Hardy gets on top of Olenek, Olenek yeah. can pull that Ezekiel from full mount bottom. Like <laughs> yeah. the dude's crazy with it. But uh, as far as Volkov and Tybura are concerned, I mean, I agree with a lot of your points. In a lot of these fights, Tybura, the ones he's been winning, he does get hurt early. But some of these guys, they don't have the ground game to capitalize. They can't stuff a takedown. Um, I'm talking about like Walt Harris, and even Spivak in his fight, man, he was just so green. Whereas Volkov. Even though he got taken down like 13 times by Curtis Blades, he was he was getting back up in that fight. He was making Blades work in the late rounds. He had something for Curtis Blades. Some of these fights he's been losing, such as the Derek Lewis fight, he was winning like 14 minutes of that fight. Um, and also the Cyril Gan fight, I'd say that pretty much out of anyone, he's given Cyril Gan his most competitive fight to date. Uh, so 
Alex Volkov is right up there in the top five of this division. He's going to have the reach advantage here. He's going to be the much larger man. And I don't think that he's going to lack the composure or the seasoning or the experience to finish the job when he does rock Tybura at some point. But I agree with you. Tybura's path to victory that he's got to close that distance. He's got to push him up against the fence. He's got to be active enough to where the ref doesn't separate them, mix in the occasional takedown or two and try to kind of, eke out that decision because his, uh, his polish corner team is gonna have to sell these judges man yeah <laughs> for every little thing tybura does they're gonna be like hey you know so it's gonna have to be that kind of ordeal and it's possible i mean volkov has been grinded out before like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a first so but that's the path i don't see tybura come out here and starching volkov or anything like that so give me volkov to to win this fight and i, I could see the knockout but i could also see him playing it safe and, and and winning a decision too so volkov's my pick featured bout in the lightweight division we got islam makachev he's 20 and 1 he's taking on dan hooker who's 21 and 10 and currently they got islam makachev minus 650 minus 700 some spots and dan hooker the comeback on dan hooker is plus 475 so i mean look if it's a pick em fight you got to go with islam but i ain't laying no minus 700 um so i mean what kind of chance are we giving dan hooker here i mean is it does it have to be that long man guillotine does it have to be that step through knee because i mean islam gets on top of him and it's kind of hard to get that guy off of you yeah this is a you know he's got a chance at a, a knee um <laughs> maybe he can land a knee islam's been knocked out before um hooker man i got a lot of respect for him we already know i mean hooker will come to fight that's that's one thing hooker ain't scared of nothing so um kind of his mouth does get him into trouble sometimes uh he kind of does get carried away with this trash talk and um but i think he, he's getting a little more mature he's been he's been learning his lesson a little bit with that um but as far as this fight goes, man, it's just one of those things where it's like, is look, I'll be honest, man, Islam is a serious threat to the title. <laughs> like, I think honestly, what the UFC is doing here, they, you know, they're letting Dustin and Charles and and uh, you know Gaethje and um, and Michael Chandler and all these guys, you know, have their you know fun for now, keeping Islam away from these guys. Because look, Islam, it's not going to be a fun fight. The guy fights very professionally. He doesn't take any unmeasured risks. He, we already know about his wrestling game. Who his head coach is now, Khabib. Um, I mean, this is Khabib's main training partner. So we know Islam got it the hard way coming up. He, you know, he had to probably take some some real ass whoopings. Um, so yeah, we saw his fight with Sarukian. Um, his last fight with Moises Submit Moises, like. Like to actually make Tiago Moises tap, like no one's ever done that. <laughs> like, like I can see, you know, people done broke Tiago in the past before, but like by striking, not by actual like making. Like Tiago's a serious jujitsu player, and he actually made him tap. So, like the dude's ground game is—he's a complete fighter. So yeah, I see him. Maybe he plays it safe um, and just does the tie him up and and this is take him down over and over again. But I have seen Hooker. I saw Dustin Poirier Dagestani handcuff him in their fight. So I already know they uh, that Islam can. Um, Paul Felder took him down too. Paul Felder. He took Paul down as well, but Paul Felder took him down. So, yeah, I just don't see how he wins this fight unless he lands a knee or Islam severely underestimates him. Look, Hooker's got big balls, and 
but sometimes there is a cost with that. But I think he's doing the right thing here. If if he can somehow win, he's right back in there. So, um, but I I don't see him winning. I see Makachev dominating. Yeah, what I'm curious about, I mean, obviously, I think there's a huge grappling edge for Islam Makachev, but I'm curious to see if he tests his stand up here. And the reason I bring that up is because in a lot of these fights, Hooker takes a lot of unnecessary damage. Hooker is very overconfident in his chin and his ability to take a punch, and rightfully so. I mean, looking back at his UFC debut against Maximo Blanco, where he ate like over 150 strikes, all the way to the Dustin Poirier fight, where it was a similar ordeal. I mean, Hooker can take a shot. And I know Chandler cracked that chin, and but that was like kind of one of the first times that that's happened, um, that someone's actually put down Hooker with strikes to the, to the head. I know Barboza was an accumulation followed up with a body shot, but what I'm trying to say is that Hooker is one of the most durable guys in the lightweight division. And... I'm curious to see if Islam wants to come out here and, and test his striking at all. And if he does, I'm not saying that he can't have success, but that would possibly give Hooker that chance because Hooker is a dynamic striker too. Um, he can stay very long. He can stay on that outside. He can pop that jab. I mean, he's got a nasty knee. You saw how he knocked out Gilbert Burns with the with the double Man, uh, the hook to the scary. body, hook to the head. He's also got that long man guillotine choke. So you shoot from a mile out and he can capitalize. But I mean, end of the day, you got to go Islam Makachev. I'm just curious about the approach here. I mean, he can do what you said, you know, drag it to the mat, stay on top of him, Dagestani hand cuff you know ground and pound possibly get a submission but i'm curious to see if he wants to test that striking defensive hooker which has been tested many times in the past so yeah i mean the pick is islam makachev i'm just very intrigued to watch it um because i want to see how he handles this like you know because he comes out here and makes a statement and we're definitely talking about him possibly fighting for a title I next think, i think if he wins this fight he, uh his next fight will be darius oh i like that yeah that's a good fight too Co-main event of the evening for the Bantamweight title. We got the undisputed UFC Bantamweight champion, Piotr Yan. He's 16-1. and one. He's taking on Corey Sanhagen, who is 14-3. and three. And currently, they got Piotr Yan, minus 210. The comeback on Corey Sanhagen is plus 180. Shaq, this is going to be one hell of a, of a fight, man. I mean, look. You got the champ, Piotr Yan, who, I mean, he's as well-rounded as you can get. He's as mean and as nasty and as tough as you can get. He's got insane cardio. He's got this thing, though, where he kind of lulls this guy's his he lulls his guys into this false sense of security where they think that they're getting off a little bit and all of a sudden out of nowhere he drops you all of a sudden out of nowhere your gas tank wanes and then he really puts it on you. He can mix in takedowns as well i mean everyone was saying aljo was going to take him down aljo landed one takedown piotr landed seven takedowns i mean don't sleep on his ground game and look Corey sanhagen super talented guy he's long for the weight class he's got big knees he can he's got his output i mean he can from from distance this guy can accumulate the numbers and i think that one day Corey sanhagen might be a world champion it's just coming off that last fight with tj dillashaw even though i did personally score it for Corey, there were a lot of things that were left to be desired it seemed like he was playing around in there too much he was easily clinched up against the fence that distance was easily closed i bring that up because tj dillashaw's five foot six piotr Yan, i mean he's not that much taller than that so i've seen a smaller man close the distance on Corey sanhagen before and i'll tell you this right now shaq piotr Yan starts getting some of those trip takedowns on uh, Corey sanhagen starts getting on top of him and uh, uh watch out what happens on the map but 
don't don't sleep on Piotr on Piotr's uh, hands either because Piotr's got eight UFC fights. He's landed nine knockdowns in those eight UFC fights. But the reason I bring up the ground game, I mean, one, you know, Jose Aldo is known for his legendary getup game and his legendary takedown defense. When's the last time you saw Jose Aldo in the turtle position not be able to get up and just eat shot after shot after shot? When's the last time you saw Aljamain Sterling get taken down seven times in a fight? So. Piotr Yan is the complete package. I think he's a top five pound-for-pound fighter on planet Earth. And again, Sanhagen is such a talented kid. I definitely think he'll be back. I think that he will be a threat to the title one day, just not Saturday night. So give me Piotr Yan to defend his undisputed title. And then when the number one contender, Aljamain Sterling, is ready to return, I can't wait for that rematch. Yeah, I think there's, you know, a lot of people are saying there's a lot of misconceptions about the uh, Sterling Yan fight. And I already kind of shed light on my opinion on what happened there earlier but i think uh personally i think i've been telling you this for uh some while now man i think peter yan man is like truly just like talent wise just the way he's lasered in focused like you i like how you mentioned that false sense of security because i'm uh (laughs) yeah i I like how you mentioned that uh false sense of security because i feel like he plays a trap with everyone with that man i think like uh he gets these guys feeling very comfortable. They're getting off on him. Peter's kind of shelled up early in the early stages in a lot of his fights. He just follows, follows, follows. He, he definitely eats shots every fight um, 100%. He's got to watch out for the flying knees here against Sanhagen, um, a, a much taller, longer guy. But I personally do not believe that Corey Sanhagen is ready for a title shot. I only think the reason why he's getting this title shot is, A, because Rob, Rob Font turned it down because he um, – had COVID. And secondly, a lot of people think he won the TJ fight, but it's not even about, oh, he won the TJ fight. He didn't. It was what the things that he did in that fight for that split decision to happen. Because if you would have looked at TJ Dillashaw's face in that second, third round, I mean, TJ literally had a cut like coming from his, his forehead all the way down. I mean, blood everywhere. And the fact that that was such a prime opportunity, if you're really this this title challenger, if you're really this number one contender, that was your perfect opportunity to prove that, hey, let me come out here and put this guy who's been out for all this time. And I'm not trying to say like Dillashaw ain't nothing or, you know, Dillashaw is a, a, a future Hall of Famer, all, all that good stuff, arguably the best bantamweight ever. But um, it was the things in the clinch, his his inability to separate from the clinch. And these are problems that have been going on since the very beginning. I mean, back when he fought a Sunset, um, Yuri Alcantara. Yuri Alcantara. Even the Asunso fight, though, like when he when he fought, that was a lackluster performance, in my opinion. Like every time they clinch you, you have to give up your back. Like, and it's like little things. And he can try to work on these, but once it's already at that level, when you're in there with guys like Peter Yan, man, they're gonna exploit that weakness. I, I don't think this fight's gonna be close. I know a lot of people are taking the shot because you're seeing plus uh 180 and it's Corey Sanhagen. And normally I, I I would be with that too, but not against Peter Yan. Peter Yan is a guy that he's just too determined in there. Like that whole Kazakh Russian team, man, they they rarely ever lose. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, that team him, Mazvar, Fazeev, Ismagulov. I mean, their winning percentage is like through the roof um not that that matters but i just think peter yan is arguably the only dude that i ever thought could even compete with suhudo um in that division was um uh, was peter yan i, I didn't think uh aljermaine san hagen rob fun um well tj, TJ. Well, we already knocked out tj so you know i think uh i think that like 
Peter Yan is truly the best 135er in that division. I think he's going to come out here and just, you know, give Corey that false sense of security early. But I think he can beat Corey everywhere, man, on the feet, in the in the enclosed boxing, put pressure on Corey to make him uncomfortable where he's, you know, maybe overreaching on those flying knees and doing them a little too early, like make him walk backwards and make him, you know, grab his hands. Like when they get in close, rough him up. Like Corey, I, I also have a suspicion that, his body might be a little in this matchup. I think that his body. I'm really interested to see how he takes body shots in this fight because I, I see a very sl skinny, small frame, and and I also want to see like what really happens when Peter Yan gets on top of him because that rolling around for triangles and arm bars and stuff, uh, like how he kind of did versus Dillashaw, that's gonna get him severely hurt in this fight, in my opinion. I mean, Peter Yan is a different type of dude, um, and I'm excited for him to finally defend his belt against Aljamain Sterling down the line, man. So, um, all I gotta say is, uh, real fighters fight, <laughs> and still. And still, but I'm going Peter Yan by uh, fourth round TKO. Main event of the evening for the light heavyweight title. We got the undisputed champion, Jan Blahovic. He's 28 and 8. He's taking on Glover Teixeira, who's 32 and 7. And currently, they got Jan Blahovic minus 300. The comeback on Glover Teixeira is plus 250. Look, it's incredible what Glover Teixeira has done. I mean, to get back to this point, to get on the win streak he's on, and to overcome the adversity he's been overcoming in these fights, man. I mean, the Tiago Santos fight, he got badly hurt. He was still able to get on top of him. You look back at a fight, for example, the Carl Roberson fight, he was on death's doorstep, still got on top and choked him out. The difference is... Uh, Tiago Santos and Carl Roberson have a history of uh, being submitted, and they, they, don't, they don't fight back in those positions. Jan Blahovic is a black belt, um, I, you know, and, and it's been a long time since this man has been taken down. So here, here's my real question. I want you to break this down first. Is Glover Teixeira a threat to the 205-pound title? Um, I mean, of course. Glover gets on top of anybody. I mean, that's problems, man. Um, so, yeah, 100%. Um, but like I was mentioning before with, um, who was it? Marcin Tybora. I don't want to discredit my boy Glover. Uh, you, I love Glover. I mean, besides his performance against, uh, you can't, against Corey Anderson and uh, Phil Davis. I mean, <laughs> I've loved every Glover to share fight out there, you know. So, you know, you can't put Glover in there with those boring wrestlers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that... Um, as far as this fight goes, man, I, I've been so impressed with Jan Blakovich and what I was saying uh, about Tybor. I kind of think a lot of these wins for on the streak for Glover is a little circumstantial, man. Um, I mean, look, Anthony Smith was coming off an intruder in his house. Um, I mean, it's true. Huh? <laughs> Tiago Santos was coming off a knee surgery and dropped him multiple times. Um, and Tiago is not going to fight in some of those positions as hard as uh, Ian Blakovich will, in my opinion. Like, Tiago and them hurt him easily. I think Anthony Smith, you know, Glover did his thing there. He weathered the early storm and got on top of him, put, him, put on one of the more hellacious beatings you're going to see 100%. So, um, uh, you know, I definitely give him his props on that one. But what about his fights prior? He still got, like, the Nikita fight was a close back-and-forth fight. Uh, I know what happened when... Uh, Jan Fanikina, I'm just it doesn't matter. But the the Kudalaba fight, he, another fight that he got rocked in. I, look, Lover Teixeira is gonna get rocked in this fight. <laughs> um, it's just a matter of the difference I see is just the composure between Blackovich and and uh, Smith, where I felt like he was going way too hard and compared. Like Smith's a guy that eases into, you know, Smith's a guy that gets beat up on, you know, um, 
and then he starts to come back ex- except his last fight ryan span just kind of pulled a pulled a stunt there but i think that uh Lykovich is going to touch him at the jab, with the jab at will. I mean, anytime the jab couldn't land a more a more enough in this fight. And I think he could time the, the, the left hook. Uh, uh, I don't think Leverick Shashari can stand with him for more than a minute or minute, a minute and a half and not get dropped. Like that's how, that's how big of a gap in just timing and, and striking ability I see in this current stage right now. It's what matters is, is Blackovich not overexerting himself on the finish um like pick your shots don't gas out because when this guy gets half guard and getting scoops around to the back and now you're a little tired now you're in trouble so i feel like it's a similar pattern like kudalaba all these guys had him hurt but they got carried away on the finish they were going too hard they they uh you gotta stay patient pick your shots be ready for a 25 minute battle and i think blakovich is the guy for that and i feel like blakovich is getting a lot more confident in himself like i think a lot of people thinking that um he's you know having this little beef with Corey, and and you know oh he's not focused on his fight trust me guys you know blakovich is very is very focused like this guy to build him bro at one point young blakovich was like so out of it like you remember when he was like struggling with igor the duke and, and and losing to pat cummings and and you know like i mean the hole that this guy bought himself out of is like honestly one of the better comeback stories i've ever seen him and charles um i mean like these guys like multiple losses man i mean got embarrassed like i said to pat cummings the dude had to resort to laying prey against igor prokryich and he the, beat jared cannonier go back go out um Krylov, Jimmy Manoa, Rockhold, former champs, right? Like this guy, I think he's uh settling in, you know, comfortably in that 205 champ position. And I think after this fight, I think he defends his belt here by finish. Um and then the real the real the real contenders are coming cuz there's some there's some big boys on the he got pro, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, Jerry. Um you got Ratchik. I mean, there's some boys up in that 205 division. And Khalif is fighting on this card, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, look, it's one of the best career turnarounds we've ever seen in the history of the sport. I mean, to be losing to guys like Patrick Cummins to all of a sudden you're beating Israel Adesanya at the time when he beat Dominic Reyes, not me, but a lot of he people. Yeah, a lot of people were saying he beat John Jones. I mean, I didn't agree with that, but the, the fact of the matter is that's what people were saying. People were calling Dominic Reyes some uncrowned champ. Dominic Reyes was like minus 220 against Jan Blachowicz, and it wasn't a close fight. Jan Blachowicz put a clinic on him, and there was a time when people were calling the legendary uh, Polish power a myth, and it, it's not a myth. It's just now his accuracy, his timing, his precision, and also the way he's mixing his strikes together, the way he is flowing from his punches to his kicks. I mean, that body kick he was landing on Dominic Reyes was devastating. You saw the rib cage of Dominic Reyes and eventually set him up upstairs, put him down. And in addition to how he's flowing his strikes together, now he's mixing in takedowns in his fights too. I mean, you saw him against Izzy Adesanya. Firstly, if you look at the stats, he outstruck Izzy Adesanya in that fight, but he was able to mix in the takedowns beautifully and grinded out that decision. Clearly, clearly won. No controversy there. So, I think that he's hit another level. I truly believe he is Jan 2.0 because you just cannot compare him to the guy he once was. Point in case, look at the two Corey Anderson fights. I mean, it's night and day how he performed in those. And one of them, he got grinded out for three straight rounds. The next one, I mean, it wasn't even a contest. He he sent the guy in, straight into Bellator, Can you, you believe, know? I uh, believe Corey said that was a lucky punch. I mean, 
Corey's Corey said a lot of things that, uh, you know, don't surprise me at this point. You know, OSP and Jimmy Manu and John Volante must good, have been lucky as good well. Good luck right? with Nemkov, kid. Yeah, I mean, this guy beats uh, Melvin the Manhoff. Of Ryan Bader. Like, come <laughs> he he on, beat bro. Melvin Manhoff, some dude I've never heard of, and a 40-year-old Bader, and all of a sudden he thinks he's the best light heavyweight <laughs> on planet Earth. Hey, keep marketing yourself. You know, you ran out the UFC before you got to fight John Jones and after you got knocked out by the current champ. It is what it is. We can go off on that tangent a different time. Look, Glover Teixeira is a guy that I've got so much respect for. His black belt in jiu-jitsu, like you were talking about, I'm glad you brought up that half-guard game he has. I mean, when he starts getting off on that half-guard game and, you know, you start to think that you got an overhook, you start yeah. to think that, nah, 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 <laughs> he'll get that underhook. He'll start taking your back. And, I mean, once he gets on top of you, he is very tough to get off man i mean he's got a nasty arm triangle he's got a nasty guillotine his rear naked chokes on point just his top control is ground and pound and i mean he's got some one punch knockout power too i know you remember back in the day he was coming out here he said tyson is his hero i mean he throws some big overhand rights some big left hooks the, the only issue is that now that he's kind of starting to get up there in age um, he's so tough that he can make up for the fact that he gets rocked in a lot of these fights. It's just that these guys like Carl Roberson or Tiago Santos, you know, they don't have the ground games required to stop these attacks. And once they're on their back, like you said, they might not have the fight to get out of these spots. Whereas we're dealing with a black belt in Jan Blahovich. We're dealing with a very smart guy. We're dealing with a champion. So I think when he hurts Glover Teixeira in the spot, you know, he's going to stay calm. He's going to pick his spots. And I think he will find that kill shot and get him out of there and, and hit him with that big left hook, that big overhand right, whatever the case is, that that Polish power. And, and knock out a guy who I have so much respect for in Glover Teixeira. So props to Teixeira for getting to this spot. I mean, he is a true legend of the sport, someone that's got all, all my respect. But I, I got Jan Blahovich to to defend his title for the second time and, and get a knockout along the way, Shaq. So give me Jan Blahovich for the win and still. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So uh, in your opinion, uh, what is the fight to watch for UFC 267? Uh, my fight to watch ooh, is going to be... I'm going to go with... Um... Chamaya versus Lee Jingliang. I mean, I think the the future for Chamayev, I mean, could be huge if if he was to come out and have one of his typical, you know, quote unquote smash performances where he just comes out here and because I mean the pace that the kid was on before the COVID thing, I mean, it was unbelievable. So I think that's the fight to watch. If if Lee Jingliang can uh, get this upset, I mean, he'll be in a big fight, like uh, you know, a top ten fight. So this is gonna be a big fight for him as well. But I'm really interested to see how. Uh, Chamayev more so play how how he performs and and uh, what can come for him after this fight. Yeah, I agree. I got to see how Chamayev looks on the way back and Li Liang. It's he's unpredictable. I mean, a, as a favorite, he'll drop the ball, but then sometimes as the underdog, he gets big knockouts. Is there any chance um, if let's say Chamayev knocks Li out in like thirty seconds or something? think they try to rebook the leon fight <laughs> yeah you know you know how they've been handling leon so uh i, I would not Wait, be so you're not getting a title shot <laughs> yeah that would not uh surprise me one bit so yeah i could see that as well for me my fight to watch is the co-main event between piotr yan and Corey sanhagen i mean i truly believe piotr yan defends his belt here against Corey sanhagen and then all of a sudden i, I think there's a chance they they might even decide to strip the fake champ and 
go ahead and promote Piotr Jan back to undisputed status, which between you and me, he already is the undisputed champ. So this is a huge fight, man. This is super important, man, because could you imagine the mess if Corey Sanhagen wins this fight? Uh, yeah, so Piotr, and just take all the politics away from it. What a great fucking matchup between Yan and Sanhagen. I mean, two of the most dynamic and exciting strikers in the Bantamweight division. I say strikers. I mean, Piotr Yan is extremely well-rounded. He's not just a striker. He can grapple his ass off, too. So just such a great fight between two top three guys in the, the champ and the number two contender. So, yeah, that's my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 267? My fighter to watch is um, Peter Yan, man. I just want to see how he bounces back after that... Uh after that last fight and I, I truly think that this guy's one of the best like top five fighters in the ufc maybe even top three depending on how this performance goes on saturday night um and I'll, my other fighter to watch is aljermaine sterling because i really want to want them to have, have the cameras on him uh like you know his facial reactions uh i hope they where they come into his house and they watch him watching the fights and i just want to see his reactions uh it, when when peter uh wins this but wins this is it it's for the interim title right yeah yeah for the uh, when uh, peter, that, that, yeah, that, the real the, the real, interim you know title I mean. But uh, I just want to see his his reaction to this because I know he's cheering for Corey Sanhagen very hard. He's praying to God that Corey Sanhagen lands a flying knee and uh, you know all this stuff like that. But I just want he's my fighter to watch because I just want to see what he says on Saturday night. I want to see how much longer he goes on with this neck thing. The only way you're going to be able to test the neck out is if you fight, bro. I mean, you can tr spar with Adrian Yanez and Marab and all them. Trust me, Marab's still going to be getting the better of you. <laughs> like, it, look, the, that's the issue. He was like, Marab was whipping my ass. Well, maybe because Marab <laughs> will whip your ass. Like, you know, um, but I'm going, uh, Peter Yan's my fighter to watch. My fighter to watch, I'm going to go somewhere on the prelims. I'm going to go with Ricardo Ramos. I mean, this is a kid who I've always thought had all the talent and the skills. It's just about putting it together mentally. And again, he's got another tough challenge in front of him. I mean, he's fighting a Russian in Abu Dhabi. Zubera Tukugov, even the fights he loses, I mean, no one rarely goes out there and just runs him over. I mean, it's usually a hard-fought battle. So uh, Ricardo Ramos is going to get tested in this spot, but I think it's a test he can pass. I'm just curious to see how he shows up here because I truly think he's got the talent, the skill, and the ability. So I'm very curious to see how Ramos handles this test, and um, he is my fighter to watch here. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down uh, Saturday morning and afternoon in Abu Dhabi. Uh, UFC 267, Jan Blahovich versus Glover Teixeira, Piotr Yan versus Corey Sanhagen. Thank you so much to all our fans for uh, being here with us. We truly appreciate it. Make sure you all hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the retweet on Twitter, share this, let everybody know that we're back. It's good to have you back here, Shaq. Uh, make sure you follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05 on Twitter. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back for the next card. Hit up our sponsors too. Uh, Bud Crush. If you like the fresh ass gear we're wearing, go to budcrush.com. Use code BATTLE for free shipping. Go to prizepicks.com. Use code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. And go to manscaped.com and use code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. We truly appreciate it, guys. Thank you all so much for your support. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.